Okay, uh, week four. We're in week four of our Holy Spirit series, and I will tell you we're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning, but primarily from uh, the book of John, um, chapters 14, 15, and 16. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, that's where we'll be. We should have the passages uh, on the screens as well. Um, but week four of our Holy Spirit series, just quickly where we've been uh, so far in the series. Uh, in our first week, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, uh, who and not what. The Holy Spirit is a person. Um, Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In week two, we looked at the Holy Spirit's work. Primarily in that week, we looked at the Old Testament and how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament. We talked about how the Holy Spirit was God with his people. As, um, as Adam and Eve, humanity had been kicked out of the garden in the presence of our holy God, God sent his Holy Spirit to continue to be with his people. And then last week, we um, quickly looked at the life of Jesus and Jesus and his relationship with the, with the Holy Spirit. We saw uh, that the Holy Spirit was, um, was present and powerful in Jesus' life, um, in, in, his, in his birth, in his life. We looked at how in his resurrection and even in his post-resurrection ministry, we looked at how the Holy Spirit was a part of that with Jesus. Jesus walked in the Spirit, and Jesus had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we have that same opportunity. We have the same opportunity to walk with the Spirit and to have that same relationship with the Spirit. Opportunity is what we have, and that's the key word there, opportunity. Um, one of the things that we talked about briefly last week was uh, how Jesus in his ministry, we often think about the healing ministry of Jesus as Jesus ministered to people, and that healing ministry was the Holy Spirit working in and through Jesus. It wasn't Jesus healing by the power of Jesus. It was Jesus healing or the Holy Spirit healing through Jesus. The power for healing came uh, by the Holy Spirit. Now, um, one of the, the, the stories we didn't read uh, last week, but one of the stories about Jesus' healing was Jesus healing a blind man. This was in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. Um, Jesus gave sight to this blind man, uh, a man who had been blind from, from birth. And then Jesus healing, and suddenly the, the light of the world rushing in, right? The, the, the bright colors and, and being able to see people. What, a, what an incredible gift it was for Jesus to give sight to this blind man. Now, I want you to imagine this with me. Imagine if Jesus, as he did, had laid his hands on this man. The man had his eyes closed. Jesus laid his hands on the man and, and, and his fingers on the eyes of the man. And, and Jesus healed him uh, and restored his sight 100%, like, like perfect, better than mine. I have to wear glasses. Better than mine, better than yours, like perfect sight. Jesus heals the man. But imagine if the man never opened his eyes. And Jesus took his hands away. You're, you're healed, and, and he was healed, but the man didn't open his eyes. Like, I know this is silly, but... Close your eyes just for one second. I'm, we're not going to do anything crazy. 
just darkness, right? You open your eyes. Now imagine the man never opened his eyes. He, he had been healed absolutely, 100%, completely. But imagine if rather than opening his eyes and seeing, he, he kept them closed and he refused ever to open his eyes. He would have received this whole absolutely incredible gift from, from Jesus, an incredible gift from the Holy Spirit, but he would never have enjoyed the gift. Are you with me? Because he kept his eyes closed. It, it would be just like him being blind. And, and he would continue with his eyes closed, even though he had been healed, even though he had received this incredible gift, he would continue to walk blindly through life. That's us. That's us when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We've been given an incredible gift from the Father, an incredible gift in, in the Holy Spirit, and yet we walk around, most of us, most of our lives with our eyes closed, completely unaware of the beautiful gift that's been given to us. Now, I pray this morning, as I've thought about it this week and even this morning, I, I pray that the Lord would change that for us, maybe starting today. The title of um, the message this morning is Holy Spirit, a Greater Gift. And I pray that we'll see the beauty and, and the glory of the great gift that we've received in him this morning. So I want us to pray, and, and, and I want you to pray with me. It's a, that itself is a gift that we can come together and pray to the Father together. So I'm going to ask if you would pray with me while I pray. If you would, where you are, pray with me that... God would be good to help us see this beautiful gift today. And that we would know that the Holy Spirit is absolutely an amazing gift. And that we would no longer walk blindly when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Would you pray those things with me? Let's pray together then. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for uh, your word. You have spoken to us through, through the Bible. And uh, as we look today at your word, I, I pray that, that you would be good to make it come alive to us. Holy Spirit, today, words would ring true in our hearts and in our minds today, and that, that there would be a, a new life in us, that, that we would see today the gift that so many of us so often have, have overlooked and neglected and just, just not seen. Help us today to see. Uh, help, us, help us today to know, to know you better, that you, our gracious, loving, kind Father who was unwilling to leave us alone, you have sent through Jesus, by Jesus, you've sent your Spirit, your very Spirit to be with us. Help us to see that and to, to live in the joy of that gift today and every day after. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, so several years ago, I was uh, reading through John's 
account of the last days of Jesus. And I, I, I love these uh, verses about Jesus. Jesus is talking to his disciples like he knows that the crucifixion is right around the corner. And so what he is doing is trying to prepare his disciples for what's about to happen and encourage them and to give them some final instructions and, and, and all of that. And I, I love it. He even prays for them. And as he prays for them, he prays for us as well. But it's in these verses verses that Jesus says something absolutely amazing to me. He says, it is better that I leave you. It is better that I leave you. In John chapter 16, uh, we see part of that conversation between Jesus and his disciples. John chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, he says this, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their, when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 7 stood out to me several years ago as I was reading these these verses, these chapters of Jesus' last days. This verse, verse 7, stood out to me like it never had before. I'd read it before. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. You've read the Bible and you, you read something and suddenly it just, it jumps off the page. That was this. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. The Living Bible translation um, words it this way, but the fact of the matter is that it is best for you that I go away. It is best for you, Jesus is saying, that I go away. Now, I'm just hitting you with this this morning, but but I, I don't know how that strikes you, but man, it, it, it hit me that day like a ton of bricks. This is Jesus. This is Jesus saying Jesus, the hero of the whole Bible, right? We talk about the big story of the Bible here a lot, and we have in this series, and, and everything points us to Jesus, the, the promised one, the, the coming redeemer, the restorer of all things, the one who will fix all that is broken, the one, the one who would give himself to save God's people to rescue them from their sin, redeeming them and, and making them holy and pure and right. Jesus, Jesus, the hero of of, of the Bible, Jesus, he's saying this to to the disciples, and they had just spent years with him, doing life with him. They loved Jesus. They heard his incredible teaching. We've talked about that, how Jesus' teaching was empowered by the Spirit, and it was like nobody else's teaching. The disciples had been with him, doing life with him, laughing and and crying and ministering and watching him heal, and and they themselves healing. It It was an incredible time. Jesus, 
God in the flesh who had been with them, they, they saw the Holy Spirit light on hero and, and the hero of the Bible. And I'm, I'm telling you, when I read it, like Jesus, my hero, it, it just, it, it hit me like, like a ton of bricks, Jesus. And I was like, like are, you, are, are you kidding me? It's better that Jesus is not with, with us? It's better. I mean, like, like that's the thing that I, I really and truly I, I look forward to a, a, a lot about that day when we are all together, gathered with God, seeing relatives and, and my grandfather and all of that, and, 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 and Paul the apostle, my, my, my hero of the disciples and apostles. I, I look forward. But Jesus, right? That's what we look forward to, seeing him face to face in all of his glory, hearing his voice. And here he is saying, like, it's better if I'm not here. It's better if I go away. How could that be better? That was my question. How could it be better if Jesus were to go away? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. If I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus says. If I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I, I want to explain this a little bit. We've talked about it in the series, but just so that we're all on the same page, the Holy Spirit was present. Right? The Holy Spirit was present. We looked at that through the Old Testament. We looked at it in the life of Jesus. Holy Spirit was present. It, it was in a different way than Jesus is talking about. The Holy Spirit, e even in the Old Testament, in the early days of the Old Testament, you read about the Holy Spirit coming upon God's people to accomplish certain tasks. We talked about Jesus. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 2 tells the story of, of Simeon, an old man who, would, who, who remained in the and the Spirit had told him that he would not die until he saw the promised one. Luke chapter 2 verse 25 says that the Holy Spirit was upon him, and when Mary uh, and Joseph walked into the temple with baby Jesus, there he was, and he recognized him immediately because the Holy Spirit was upon him. The disciples, we said, they saw the, um, the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus like a dove. So, so Jesus isn't saying that, that the Holy Spirit has been absent. We see clearly that the Holy Spirit had been there. He's saying something else. He's saying that something new is coming. The Spirit will come to Jesus' disciples, and they will, he will remain with them. The Holy Spirit is coming in a new way, Jesus is saying, and the Holy Spirit will remain with you. John, um, in John chapter 4, Jesus talked about that, how the Spirit would be dwelling inside of God's people, and it had not happened yet. Paul writes after uh, the, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 6 as well, that our body is now the, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying in that, that the, the Holy Spirit dwelt with Israel, God's people, in the temple. And, and what Paul is saying is that now, post-life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come, and the Holy Spirit had come, and was indwelling God's people. 
Not a temple, not a building, not a room, but indwelling every believer. Our bodies are the temple, and the Holy Spirit dwells in these temples. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy that we talked about in Ezekiel 36 when God said that he would put his spirit in his people. 2 Timothy chapter 1, Romans 8, 11, um, talk about the indwelling spirit. Uh, we've talked a number of times about Ephesians 1 where Paul tells us in verses 15 and 16 that when we heard the gospel and believed the good news of the gospel, trusting in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection rather than our own good works, when we believe the Holy Spirit came to us and sealed us, and He is in us and sealing us until the day of our redemption. So until we see Jesus face to face, the Holy Spirit is in us and with us. This is what Jesus means when He's talking to the disciples about sending the Spirit. If I go, I will send Him to you. I will send Him, and He will remain with you. Now, for me, here's where this gets really, really good. All those years ago, right, reading this, and, and for whatever reason, for the first time, it really jumping off the pages at me, I began to wonder at this point why. Like still asking why. Why, why is this better than Jesus being here with me and walking among us. Well, Jesus tells us why. He tells us why in John 14, John 15, and John 16, these chapters of John filled with promises from Jesus about the Holy Spirit. So let's look at those promises from Jesus about the Holy Spirit as we go through them, best way that I can. It's a lot, right? There's a lot that we could talk about, and some of these we could do a whole sermon on. So we're just going to go quickly through it. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. A helper. A helper. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I will give you another helper. And the word that's used here um, in, in the Greek often meant someone who would come alongside another person, right? A helper who comes alongside to, to help. Jesus came alongside his disciples. He walked with his disciples. He helped his disciples. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm going away, but I'm going to send another helper who will come alongside and help you. Now, there's another way the word, something like an attorney, and that is um, sort of in, in legal terms, some, something like an attorney, someone who would speak on behalf of another person, someone who would plead their case for them. This is a beautiful picture as well because um, Jesus was, had, and would plead the case of the disciples before the Father, right? He, he would go to the Father on their behalf. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to send another helper who will go before the Father on your behalf and plead for you. That is the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus would plead the case of the disciples before the Father, the Holy Spirit would plead their case, and the Holy Spirit pleads our case before the Father as well. So a helper. I'm going to send you another like me. I'm going to send you a helper. And Jesus says this helper will be with, your, with his disciples forever. 
forever. He is our helper forever. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, first of all, Jesus calls our helper the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. He is true. The spirit that dwells with us and in us, he is true. He is the heart of all that is true. Like there is nothing in him that is deceitful. There is nothing in him that is not true. He will only lead you to what is true, and he will only lead you in truth. He brings truth to light for God's people. He is the spirit of truth. Jesus adds that he, he dwells with you and in you, right? I know we've talked about this, but Jesus was, was human. And so when we think about Jesus being with us, Jesus can be among us. But as a human, he, he, is, he was like us in the flesh. Jesus could only be where he was. We can only be in the place that we're at, the space that we occupy. That's the only place that we can be. Like, I can't be here preaching and talking to you and also be downstairs in the nursery helping with the kids. Right? I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that, and neither could Jesus. Jesus only could be in the flesh where Jesus was, right? But the Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit is here, and the Holy Spirit is there, and the Holy Spirit is downstairs, and the Holy Spirit is down the street at another church gathered with other believers and in other believers. The Holy Spirit is able where Jesus wasn't, and this is, is, is the promise that, or, or the fulfillment of the promise that, that he will be with each of his disciples. The Holy Spirit could be with his disciples wherever the disciples went, but Jesus could never do that. Again, this is a fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, I will put my spirit in them. Jesus says, it is better if I go. If I go, I can send another helper, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you, and he will be in you always. He will dwell with you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I, I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest word and my Father not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to, make, we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, that's a lot of verses to wade through, and it's kind of a complicated sentence or two from Jesus, but I hope that what you saw in there was the presence of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the three of them together, and Jesus says that we, the Trinity, will make our home with you. We will make our home with you. When the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us and, and abides with us as, as he did in the temple, this is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit abiding with us. This is them making their home with us. Amen. Holy Spirit with us is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with us. Verse 24. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we'll pause there and just very quickly, a couple of things to point out. The Holy Spirit will teach you. I, I am sending another. Jesus had been their teacher. I'm sending another helper like me, one who is like me, and he will be your teacher. And the Holy Spirit will help you remember everything that I have taught you. Keep going. John chapter 15, all the way down in verse 26 before we pick up again on the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 says, But when the, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So again, we see that the Holy Spirit, this, this, this word helper is used. Jesus is sending a helper for his disciples. And I love that because I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help. And so I love that this, again, is being repeated, the helper. I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send another like me who will be your helper. We also see, again, spirit of truth. These are important things that Jesus is repeating to his disciples he then adds this, he will bear witness about, about me, Jesus, in us and through us, right? The Holy Spirit will bear witness in and through those disciples and in and through us. This too is amazing to me. The Holy Spirit will speak to God's people. We talked about that in the Old Testament, right? We talked about how the Holy Spirit spoke through the prophets. Well, now it's not just through the prophets, but this promise is being expanded and extended to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes receives the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will speak God's words to us will speak God's words to us. He will speak God's word to us. He will, he will, he will, he will speak to us about Jesus. He will bear witness, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit and our spirit, bearing witness of the, of the authenticity and, and truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And Jesus adds, we will do the same. We will bear witness of Jesus to others as well. And I want to connect these with, with what we see next in John 16, right? He will bear witness about Jesus in us and through us. John 16, beginning in verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, church, hear me on this. You listening? You and I cannot convince anyone about Jesus. You and I cannot convince anyone about Jesus. You and I cannot convince a, a world who is, is separated from the Father. We cannot convince them about what sin is and isn't. Just a, a quick application, 
stop getting so frustrated and angry when you can't convince people of the issues that we stand on. You, you, can't, you can't convict people. You can't convince them of what is right and what is wrong. That isn't, that isn't your job. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. But, but here's the good news. The Holy Spirit will do that. What, what you cannot do, the Holy Spirit will do. When he comes, Jesus says, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Conviction of sin, of, of what sin is. It's the Holy Spirit who will convict people of what is sinful. It's the Holy Spirit who will convict people of sin in their own life. It's the Holy Spirit who will convict of righteousness, the righteousness that we lack, the righteousness that is not a part of our lives that should be, the righteousness that we were, that we were made for. It's the Holy Spirit who will convict people that they are missing that righteousness, and it is the Holy Spirit who will convict them that that is the righteousness that we see in Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who will convict of judgment, the judgment that, that has already come to Satan, right? In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, victory became his. He has, in a sense, already defeated death and sin and Satan. Now, we know that he's coming back. After the ascension, he told the disciples, I'm coming back. When he does, he will fully and finally defeat all of his enemies, and he will judge all of his enemies, and it's not up to us to convince people that judgment is coming. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts people that one day they will stand before our holy God and be judged, righteous or unrighteous, not based on their own lives alone, but the righteousness that can only be found in Jesus himself. It's the Holy Spirit who does that work. It's not, it's not us. Now, I, I love what theologian uh, Leslie Newbigin said of these verses. He said, we see the Spirit is not the domesticated auxiliary of the church. He is the powerful advocate who goes before the church to bring the world under conviction. Isn't that beautiful? The Spirit goes before us. When it, when, it, when it comes to the gospel message and the incredible mission that God has given the church, we have a powerful advocate who goes before the church to bring the world under conviction, the mighty spirit of God. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So quickly here, he will guide God's people in what is true. The Holy Spirit will guide God's people in what is true. My goodness, if we would only listen to the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who guides God's people into truth. If we would allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in, in the truth of God, in the truth of God's Word, in the truth of God's words, Instead of listening to the world and to our own flesh. Do you hear me? 
It is not true because the majority of our culture and population believe it to be true. It is only true when the Spirit of truth delivers the Word of God to us. This is what is true. He will guide God's people in what is true. Jesus also said here, He will speak what He hears from God to us. The Father gives Him instructions. The Father um, speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. He speaks what He hears from God. He will declare, lastly, what is to come. He will declare what is to come. Now, I, I want to quickly run back through all of that, okay? And I want us to think about it um, as I do, just, just run through it. Just before Jesus was arrested and just before the crucifixion, knowing what was to come, Jesus gathered his disciples to himself and, and he prayed for them and he talked to them and he tried to prepare them for what was to come. He made at that time this, this incredible statement, it is better if I'm not with you. It is better, disciples, if I go. It is better if I leave you. It is better for you. It's better for the other disciples. It is better for those who don't know me. It is better for the world. It is better for all time if I leave you. Because it was in leaving when, when his work was done. It, it was in leaving. He, he, had, he had done what he came to do. He lived the life that we can't live. Perfect, holy, and righteous. Right? The gospel. He died the death that we deserve because of sin, suffering the wrath of God. He took that in our place on the cross. He died instead of us. On the third day, he was raised from death, defeating death and sin and Satan, all of that for us, so that when we believe, when we, when we trust in his work rather than our own works, when we trust in who he is and what he's done, then that righteousness is granted to us as a gift of grace. And God sees us, because of Jesus, holy and righteous as he was. We receive his righteousness through faith as a gift. This is the gospel. When Jesus was finished... When Jesus was finished in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, then, then Jesus sent, ascending to the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit in a new and incredible and, 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 and powerful way. And all of these promises was Jesus preparing the disciples for that moment, for, for his death and, and ultimately for his Ascension. Now, now listen, all of these promises concerning the Holy Spirit, beautiful promises, but they weren't just meant for those first disciples, those who were gathered with Jesus there. We know, we know that this was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, and that Old Testament prophecy wasn't just for the disciples who were there. That Old Testament prophecy was for all of God's people. So what I'm saying is these promises that we see about the Holy Spirit from Jesus, those promises are are your promises. Those promises are, are, are my promises. These, these promises of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit, it, it, th these are promises for every believer, just as the, the Holy Spirit himself is a gift for every believer. That means these promises are for you if you are here today, forgiven and redeemed a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come to you as your helper. 
That's what this means. He he has come to you as your helper, believer. He will walk with you and empower you. He will help you in your time of need. He will speak on your behalf before the Father. He pleads today for you before the Father. When you don't know how to pray, He prays on your behalf, speaking to the Father. He, He is yours, Jesus said, forevermore. He will will dwell with you and dwell in you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. He is the spirit of truth, right? You have in you and with you the spirit of truth. He himself is is true, and he knows all that is true, and there is nothing nothing deceitful in him. There is no, no conniving and no sneaking. He is truth, and he will guide you in truth, and he will teach you truth, and he will lead you in truth. When you need him, when you need him and you depend on him, he will be there to remind you of all that is true. He will remind you of Jesus, of of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. He, He will remind you of the truth that you are forgiven and you are free. There is no guilt, no shame, no condemnation because the Father sees you in the righteous blood of Jesus himself. He will remind you that you have been made a child of the Most High God, not not by your might, not by your good works, but by the precious blood of His Son. He will bear witness to you of these truths. And listen, He will bear witness of these truths through you. He will bear witness to others outside of the family through you. He will speak through you to those around you, believers and unbelievers alike who need to trust in this work of Jesus. He is the one who will bring conviction. Conviction to us. He brings conviction to us, the children of God. Conviction to a, to a world through us as we bear witness of Him. Conviction. Conviction of our sin. Conviction for them of their sin. Conviction of their disbelief in Him. He will convict He will convict not only of what is wrong, but he will convict of what is right, what is righteous, and what is just. He will convict us to be more like Jesus. Through us, he will convict others of what is good and true and righteous as well. He will convict the lost, the judgment that is theirs for for sin in their life apart from his forgiveness. And I pray that, that he would convict us of that judgment as well, not, not just for our own life, but that we would be convicted of the judgment that faces that, that anyone apart from Jesus faces. I pray that he would convict us of that judgment so that we would be more bold, believing that the Holy Spirit convicts and speaks through us, that we would be more bold to share the gospel with people around us. Jesus said he will speak the words of God to us. He will guide us when we follow him, when we listen to him, when we submit to him. He will will guide us in what is true. And he has and he will declare to us all that we need to know of what is to come. And God was not only present with the 12 who gathered with Jesus, not, not only with the 120, the larger number of disciples, that, that is the precious gift of grace that is here for each one of us who love and follow Jesus in the Holy Spirit.
this, this is the gift of the help that you need. Our, our, our helper, our teacher, our encourager, the one who leads us in righteousness, who, who walks with us, who pleads our case before the Father, the one, the one who reminds us of the words of of Jesus and all that he's done for us, who, who leads us into the truth of him, who leads us into all truth, the one, the one who will never leave us, the one who will never forsake us, the one who goes before us and stands behind us, the Holy Spirit. Jesus was right. It is better that he left. Amen. It's better that he left and sent his Holy Spirit. It's, it's right here in the Word of God, in the promises of Jesus. So I don't, I don't know where that hits you today, this beautiful gift of grace, that, that for most of us we've been like the blind man healed but unwilling to open his eyes. Yeah, I, I pray that today is a is a different and new day for us. We see the beauty of the gift that we've received in the Holy Spirit, and we, we walk with our eyes wide open. Two things as, as I thought about my response to this incredible discovery. My first was sorrow. My first, my first response was sorrow, maybe even some anger. Why am I just now seeing this? Why, why did, did a kid who grew up, grew up in church, going to church all the time, never, never hear these beautiful truths? Never hear these promises? So there was, there was sorrow. And I can't, I can't blame that on, on, on the churches that I attended, on the pastors or the teachers. I, I, don't, I don't have any idea. I know the sorrow for me is that I have the Bible and I never saw it. The sorrow for me was that, that, that I never pursued the Spirit that I, that I knew, at least intellectually, was, was there, the, the third in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There was, there was sorrow. My first response was sorrow. And when there is godly sorrow, the Bible tells us to repent, right? And, and so what am I repenting of? I'm repenting of ignoring the Holy Spirit. I am, I am repenting of not pursuing the Holy Spirit, of not enjoying the beautiful gift that God has given me. So, so my prayer then and my prayer since then is, Father, I'm sorry. Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. What, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful gift. And I, and I turn to him. That is what repentance is, turning from that and turning to him. And, and, I, and I want to receive the beautiful grace of the Spirit. And so the second, the second response, and the first is, is sorrow over, over not seeing these things and pursuing him. But the second response is joy. And my second response is, is joy. Joy that these things are true, that these are the promises of Jesus for every one of us who believe that the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, he is a precious gift to me, and he is with me. And he will never leave me and he will never forsake me, even when I am stubborn, even when I ignore him, even when I don't pursue him. He is with me. 
Joy, joy in this truth that he won't leave me. Joy in the freedom that knowing these things brings me and, 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 and the freedom that I find in, in him believing. Believing these truths gives me freedom. Freedom to trust rather than to perform. I, I can trust the Holy Spirit. I can trust the Holy Spirit to, to, to do the work of convicting if I share the gospel. I don't have to be the best gospel sharer in the world. I don't even have to have all the right answers. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work, not me. So I have freedom in the Spirit to, to talk about Jesus. I have freedom. I have freedom because it's the Spirit that teaches, right? Like We, we, have, we, have, um, we have these groups once a year that, that we gather together, leadership cohorts, and we invite people into a deeper theology and application of that theology. And so often I hear people say that they are afraid they're not smart enough for it. Listen, you have the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who will teach you. It's the Holy Spirit who will guide you into the truths of the theology that we talk about. You don't have to be great. Do you see the freedom there? All you have to do is pursue it and let the Spirit do the Spirit's work. It's the Spirit who will guide. You don't have to be the wisest person. You don't have to be the smartest person in, in, in all of life. It's the Spirit who guides. It's the Spirit who helps. It's the Spirit who convicts in your life and in the lives of others. Joy. This brings me joy. Because all of the burden of those things isn't on me. Jesus has promised His Spirit. And His Spirit will do all of those things. What a beautiful gift that we have in the Spirit. Let's not be like the blind man healed, but refusing to open his eyes. Let's see and believe, pursue and walk with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for this gift of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you. We are not. You are faithful where we are not. Patience with us. Thank you that you are committed where we are not. You are faithful where we are not. And when you promise that you will never leave us and never forsake us, it is true. Father, I pray. I pray that you would remind us by your spirit of the truths that we've heard today. I pray that you would sink them deep in our hearts, that we would, that we would see not only what a great gift that we have in, in the Holy Spirit who walks with us and, and, and is always with us, teaching us and leading us and helping us, but that we would also see what a, an incredible gift giver that you are. Our Father giving us all that we need. Thank you, Jesus, for making us children of God, for sending the Spirit, another helper. We love you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray.